0: It is actually Tuesday on the Podcast Daily, but it is a hypothetical Talking Tuesday with Bill Landis. I am Austin Ward. There will be no Ryan Day press conference. There will be no Jim Knowles press conference. At least there's none scheduled, none that I'm aware of, (laughs) as uh, Ohio State's regular season is over and as they spend all week waiting to uh, hear their fates in the college football race. There are hopes alive, but even if... Even with that fact out there, I don't think there'd be very many questions for Ryan Day and Jim Knowles about that fact.
1: No, pro- probably not. Um, it's not, not quite like last year, right, where you were just kind of waiting on that one result uh, that could flip things for Ohio State. They need an awful lot of help. Not impossible. I, th- I think probably unlikely, right? I don't love Oklahoma State's chances of beating Texas. Um, I don't love Louisville's chances of beating Florida State, even with Florida State without Jordan Travis. So um
0: yeah, it feels like we're cruising toward a New Year's Six Bowl here for Ohio State. Which would be the Orange Bowl, assuming mm-hmm. that Michigan remains in the college football playoff, which I think is a safe bet. I think they've already punched a ticket, if I I'm think, being honest. I would so, think so, yeah. That means that we would likely be looking at an Orange Bowl for Ohio State against Louisville. And then the month would be spent asking a lot more Thank questions you. about the roster, which, again, is probably what we would be doing anyway.
1: Yeah, roster and staff, I think, is, is kind of where I'm at as, as we look ahead here. Um you know, we'll, we'll recalibrate if, if needed, but but I think it's safe to assume for the time being that we'll be more in off-season mode than we will be in, in getting uh, ready for playoff mode or, or asking Ohio State about getting ready for playoff mode. So I think the staff stuff actually for me is, is a little more pressing than, than the roster stuff. Um, there's some interesting questions with the roster, like who's going to stay, who's going to go, all that kind of stuff. But um, I need to know what Ryan Day is going to do with this coaching staff because I, I think there, there are some tweaks that, that need to be made. I think we're all on the same page as special teams coordinator, right? I don't know that we need to belabor that point.
0: Um, Just for the record, I think Parker Fleming should be fired. Yeah. And that James Laurinaitis should become a full-time linebackers coach. I I know it's hot, but I want to get it on the record for the first time ever that that's what I think. I've thought long and hard about
1: it, and I think, I think and I'm think i in agreement with you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, i'm wondering about the quarterback coach position right um and i don't know i think the quarterback play this year left a little something to be desired i I don't think a guy who was in the program for like this is being his third year looked as ready as he should have looked for the job once it was handed to him now the difficulty with that is like which coach is that ultimately attributable to is it ryan day like, how hands-on is he with that? And, and I know, like, Todd Fitch and obviously Corey Dennis is the quarterback coach in title. I think Ohio State could use maybe some new flavor there at the quarterback coaching position, if only to take it off Ryan Day's plate, right? Like, something something that makes Ryan Day confident that he can give that up, which I, I would imagine is incredibly difficult for him. And, and partly, too, it's just like, let's get some new ideas on the offensive staff, right? I, there's not been a lot of turnover on that side of the ball which is obviously a a good thing I think you want that kind of continuity but I do think at a certain point you you want an infusion of new ideas and and, and I honestly think we did see that some with Justin Fry in the run game this year um, for the first time like doing some different things and and working in some different diversity but but obviously I I think there's more to get into there and it's the same conversation with the offense right it's not it's not a broken offense I think every year you're looking to enhance things and that quarterback coaching position feels to me like a spot where maybe they could enhance, but I, I wonder if Ryan Day feels the same way or if, honestly, he doesn't care who's coaching the quarterbacks because he's going to do it anyway.
0: I want to start by saying that, like, the last several years there's been questions about Corey Dennis's age, but he has done the job that Ryan Day asked him to do. That's why he was promoted. He was He's able to run position meetings. Uh, he's got high-level play. I think even if there, are, you're saying there could have been a higher level that Kyle McCord could have got to by the end of November and say we can debate it I, or not debate it, it doesn't matter. I think he got better from September to the end of the year and then he would be a year or two starting quarterback next year. That stuff is not even really a factor in this conversation now that it's coming up. The things that I've heard from other people uh, around the program, inside the program, like is there some sort of like – Bidding war for Corey Dennis's services, and if not, why is that? If nobody wants to take him away, even as an offensive coordinator at the MAC level, why does that ensure him that level of salary to continue to be part of this offensive brain trust? And what it what added value is he providing? Without there, there is a value from having been in the program and understanding the way that Ryan Day wants to teach the quarterback position, and being able to do that as a proxy in the quarterback meeting room. There haven't been a ton of like complaints about that over the last few years We've wondered like about the if there were other things out there if it could have been explored uh should have been explored didn't really matter up until this point but there was a big change and we've talked about this a few times the st- age of the staff really skewed young and you know, they tried to bring in joe philbin to help supplement some of that but i'm not sure that that's a solution right um and it didn't look like it it added a lot for Ryan Day, and it certainly didn't really add much from the quarterback part. We know that Todd Fitch has been involved, but when you're looking at the people who are up in the box, and it's Keenan Bailey, who I think did a really fantastic job with the tight ends and has earned his spot, and I think he should be the special teams coordinator. You know, Mike Saleni doing a great job. That's a quality control offensive line person. And then Corey Dennis, really that that group upstairs. Berm has made this point about Kevin Wilson a number of times, and really starting in September, Is that the spot where you could bring in somebody? He said on Monday, Berm did, Chip Kelly. I don't know if that's possible. I mean, at this point, as we were talking about it, it's really not. But um, he doesn't have experience outside of Ohio State. And that can be a good thing, or it can also be a negative. And I think that's what you're saying. How does Ryan Day view that when he's looking at this staff moving forward? Because even giving more responsibility to Brian Hartline this year, short of calling plays, that's still a young coach in the profession. Justin Fry is still a relatively young coach in the profession, even though he's had good experience in multiple places. Keenan Bailey, now this is his first full-time job at Ohio State as well. That's, that's a lot of young coaches on the staff, and they scored points. They were one possession away from winning on Saturday, but if you're taking a, a thorough inspection and self-evaluation, I think that that is within reason. Where are you on, like...
1: Head coach of the offense, whether that is a new outside hire or someone that's already in the building, making Ryan Day like purely like CEO culture intangibles,
0: giving up play calling,
1: and well, where, letting someone else where run the show.
0: Where are you? Because <clears throat> I, I will say that I'm less. Sorry, I asked you and then I no, it's okay. Answered. I'm I'm less concerned about it today, Tuesday than I was on the Tuesday after the game last year when yeah. I was really banging the drum and, like, he's got to give up play calling. There's too much on his plate. Here's what happened. Nobody's won the playoff without it. I thought that he did a good job with the offensive game plan and the play calling on Saturday. I, I, I do. I mm-hmm. think that they had enough stuff. Could they have been more aggressive at times? Yes. In-game decision-making in a couple, those first-half situations we talked about, I disagree with him. He's the coach. He's the one that's got $10 million on the line. I do not. But I... I did not feel like this year that that was a real weakness for Ohio State.
1: No, not neither do I. I I'm I'm coming at this from a much different place than I was last year because you and I were in the same boat last year. Like in the in the raw emotional moments after the Michigan game, I think even on the field, you and I both said like he's got to give it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he kept it, and I thought it was okay this year. Like it wasn't it wasn't any worse certainly. And I agree with you that the plan against Michigan. I didn't have much of a problem with it. There was some really good stuff in there. They were three for three in the red zone scoring touchdowns are actually I was looking this up earlier. They're fourteen, I think, for sixteen scoring touchdowns in the red zone the last three games, or maybe it's fourteen for eighteen. It's 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 a pretty good clip. They they seem to have gotten some stuff yeah. uh figured out there. So it's again, it's not it's not coming from a place of this isn't the way it should be. It's just about the natural progression, I think more about Ryan Day as a head coach and, and I I've always thought at some point he's going to have to give that up. I just think there's way too much on his plate, and because of that, maybe maybe there's something that Ohio State's missing where it's not maximizing its potential. Whether that's like handling situational football better, whether it's NIL recruiting stuff, intangibles, emotion, whatever. I think if Ryan Day can be left to solely focus on those things, maybe that yields better results. Um, but I think the only way to get him there is to bring in a an experienced, like serious offensive coordinator to be like basically the Jim Knowles on the offensive side of the ball with Ryan Day at the top of the pyramid and those two guys as like his his first lieutenants running the show on, on on their respective sides of the ball. So, and like, Chip Kelly is, is an obvious name to mention. I You know, we don't have to have a long Chip Kelly conversation. I have questions about, like, his offense anymore. But I think, like, that's the right kind of profile of person, if that person exists, that that makes sense for Ohio State. I'm not saying it's something they definitely need to do, but it's something that has been on my mind for a while, just, like, thinking about the way the staff is structured and, and how ultimately I feel national championship staffs need to be structured. I, I think it needs to look something like that unless how it currently looks with the head coach wearing a lot of hats that I, I just don't know that it suits everybody the best.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I I think all I could say is that I feel like that's the change that's least likely for Ohio State out yeah. of all of them. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I'll be wrong about that, but I, I think – and I mentioned this, I don't know, a week or two ago. I, pri- primarily, we were probably talking about the special teams coordinator, and if there had been a concern that was voiced by people around the program to me, it was Ryan Day's personnel decisions, and it's largely been handled either in-house directly, which was Corey Dennis replacing Mike Yursich, Keenan Bailey replacing Kevin Wilson, and coaching the tight ends. You know, Parker, even when you, yeah. And don't. <laughs> we're not going to talk about that one. <laughs> Sorry, right, right yet. But even when it was outside, Justin Fry, we had always assumed was going to be the person to place yeah. Greg Studrawa, and I almost consider that in-house because of their relationship. And so that that then extends to moves that he did not make, uh, or that were not made by people who were suggesting that retirement was coming and and needing to maybe. Potentially do something different on the defensive line. That, you know, so all these things are coming to a head right now, is my point. If you look at some of the fine margins on Saturday, the special teams continued to, to fall short. Uh, at quarterback, you had an early disaster with Kyle McCord. Now, maybe it would look, again, I love these what if games. I've been doing them all year. What if a Mecca doesn't drop it on the opening drive? Mm-hmm. Does that exact situation transpire in the same way? Maybe not. Doesn't matter. That play did happen, and it wasn't executed to the way that Ohio State needed. Uh, I thought the offensive line did pretty well, opening some stuff up for the run. Uh, it passed protected well at times, but there were a lot of others where Kyle was forced to step into pressure and make some things happen on a bum ankle. And if he gets a little bit more protection on the final play the of the game, yeah. we might be talking. We might be talking about none of this because Ohio State right. could have won on that one. So, the defensive line. I don't know. That was a. That was a grab bag for them on Saturday, so I, I don't know that I could make a, a declaration one way or the other if it was thumbs up or thumbs down. Or Larry Johnson's definitely done. The previous couple weeks, we'd seen Jack Sawyer take a big step forward. My call played well in that game, but some of the defensive, other ta- defensive tackles did not, uh, and you didn't see them asserting their will against the run. Certainly on the last seven-minute drive by Michigan, so that's why I think I'm. I don't want to overreact. To what happened on Saturday, because you sometimes lose games against good teams on the road. That's just a fact. Sure. Nobody wants Ohio State to lose to Michigan. I understand that part, and if that's the only evaluation you want to make, well, that's part of the reason why we're talking about the way they lost it and some things that happened before Saturday that I think have have to be talked about. And if and Ryan Day will make the decision, but like, does Saturday alter his thinking at all, or does it
1: does it need to? I, I don't know. Yeah. I think a couple of these spots, I right, think they, they could have, Ohio State could have won 40 to nothing and we still would have been talking about getting rid of the special teams coordinator. Yeah. And I think the defensive line coach conversation would have, would have persisted too, because it's not, I thought the defensive line prior to this year was not playing up to the standard that Ohio State um, needs or expects this year. I thought they largely did. Michigan was not, was not their best performance, but they're like, I thought my call played his best game and Jack Sawyer continued what, what has been a strong run of run of play, as you said. But, um, For me, it's more about philosophical stuff, right? I I think you need a defensive line coach who is in lockstep with the guy calling the plays and designing the scheme, and I don't I don't think they have that. I think they've worked around it and did so this year better than they did last year, but I also don't think you should have to work around it. It's Jim Knowles' defense, so um, I mean, I'm not you know I know it's a difficult decision to figure out what you're going to do with Larry Johnson, given all the banked up credit he has in, in the programming I mean, he's one of the best to ever do it, do his job. And he has a good recruiting class coming in here too. I, I understand that's part of the conversation as well, but but I, I don't think that this defense ever really takes, or, or, or I guess never really gets to Jim Knowles's full vision for what it can be without the defensive line looking the way that he wants it to look, both in terms of personnel, like body types, and then obviously schematically with more probably three down stuff than um he's done in his two years here. And I don't unless Larry Johnson's suddenly gonna have a change of heart and just say like, you know what? Yeah, let's do that. I'm gonna abandon my four down pedigree. We're gonna do the stuff you wanna do, which I don't think is gonna happen for a guy who's seventy one years old. Nope. Um, I do think you need to do do something there. Um, and honestly it'd be good for Larry too. I think to go out on what was a was a rather
0: strong year for him. Certainly the strongest he's had probably in the last three or four. Nobody <laughs> nobody would fault a seventy one year old with that much money in the bank and be like, you know what? That's enough. Oh. And even two years ago, that situation was the same. And I, I think that that's he did reclaim some of, over the course of this year, it was improved. And you could see the flashes of what has made him a legendary position coach. But it's been since 2019, since you felt like there was a real disruptive defensive line for Ohio State, for me. I agree. I and see. that also included Chase Young. And then before that, it included Nick Bosa. And before that, it included Joey Bosa. So he worked with those people. But I'm at the point now where there's four years of evidence since then that this hasn't been to the level that Larry Johnson used to coach or that Ohio State expects it to. And if it takes a generational talent to get to that, I'm not sure the what value continues to be added there. Like yeah. I know he's got a couple good people committed here, but what did he have in that recruiting class last year? That's a much bigger concern. If you're talking about the future of Ohio State's defensive line, like, if these decisions don't go their way, and this is part of the personnel conversation, if Jack leaves, if JT leaves, if Mike Hall leaves, if Tylik Williams leaves, then next year's recruiting class doesn't actually make that make of a difference because it's the misses last year that are going to show up for them. Yeah. And you can form a decent group building around Caden Curry and Kenyatta Jackson, but then what? I mean... It's a lot of young
1: guys and, and from classes where they definitely missed on some of their top targets. Yeah.
0: So that's, that's the big question. And... Maybe JT wants, uh, please keep Larry Johnson, and then I'll stay. Well, then the that conversation gets a lot more complicated. I mean, I have I have no idea what you would have to do in that spot, but for the good of the program, I don't think you can keep kicking that can down the road. And it's it, that I I am not saying that to pick on Larry Johnson for any reason other than that this has been a three year talk inside the Woody Hayes Athletic Center and a two year talk with Jim Knowles in that defense.
1: Yeah, it's not like. I think it's just more about like a reset, right? It's not it's not necessarily job performance based. Although I think you can make the argument that it, that it could have been prior to this year both on the field and off with the recruiting. Um I don't know. It's just like it's it's the it's the result of kicking the can down the road. Probably the previous two years. That like now you're in like a weird spot because like that we really want to do it now because this was actually kind of a good year. and We have a good class coming. And it's like to your point. Eventually you have to do it. He's not going to coach here till he's eighty seven years old. At least I don't think he is. Um, nor do I think he really wants to. So um, at some point you got to figure that out. And I, and I think this is the time. And maybe there's a way to massage it. And and you know we have both heard that. If and when it happens, they would like to keep Larry around in some capacity anyway, so it's not like necessarily he'd be going anywhere, but um, I think that there's there's another level that this defense can reach, and it doesn't necessarily start with that, but I think that that position is a key component of it moving forward.
0: All right. What else would you ask on a hypothetical Tuesday in the Woody?
1: If we're, like, in pure bowl mode now, not playoff mode, Mm mm-hmm. I would like to ask Ryan Day where he is on, like, playing both quarterbacks or, like, what he thinks of that position, basically going into the, what is, in my view, like, the beginning of the prep for next year and, like, sort of the end of this year. Mm-hmm. If, if you're playing in the Orange Bowl and getting ready for that, I think that's how most, most programs treat it. And it's not – I just don't think Kyle McCord played well enough this year that he's, like, definitely the guy next year. And if you're playing what amounts to an exhibition game, and you've not gotten to see a ton of Devin Brown, why not play them both in the Orange Bowl if if that's ultimately their their destination? And also too, like maybe it would help Kyle on his ankle to, to, yeah. to not have to well, play a full game either.
0: Honestly, I think you can go even further. Like, you don't need to play Kyle McCord at all in that game if it doesn't count for anything, and it is a future looking game and a in a springboard in. You have 12 games this year to evaluate for Kyle McCord. He's been injured for the last two months on that ankle. The ankle will feel better, and maybe that would help alleviate some of the criticism to let him go out there and play and be healthy. We haven't, in September, think about the times that we saw Kyle McCord spin out and extend the play, that when a play when a pass rush broke down the protection and throw downfield. There were a handful of design runs that we saw. That stuff pretty much disappeared after the ankle injury. Yes. And I, I think that that's worth a reminder – when the conversation comes up about the future with him or the people that are ready to throw in the towel on Kyle McCord, I am not predicting anything right here when it comes to next spring. I think Kyle McCord will be the leader. I think Ryan Day will continue to evaluate Devin Brown and Lincoln Keenholz and give them opportunities in spring. I'm not saying that anything anything is promised to Kyle McCord. I do think he's taking more criticism for Saturday than is warranted because of the other factors such as the offensive line drops and the injury. Set all that aside. To your point, if you've seen that over twelve games and you want them to be healthy and go in spring camp and, and ready to compete with those guys on a level footing, and it doesn't hurt to play Lincoln Keenholz and it doesn't cost you anything to play Devin Brown at this point, let those two guys play in the game. Yeah, like you don't need to see Kyle McCord because the game itself doesn't actually count for anything. Right, and also too, you're you're probably the offensive line would be
1: intact in that game. What the receiver room looks like, we have no idea. Sure, with with what those. Um, no draft decisions might look like, but yeah. And then it's just like, it becomes like almost like not a real game. Like we'll, co- we'll cover it as a real game, right? The, there is a winner and a loser. They're going to give you a trophy for it. But but I I really do think you can use that game to get an evaluation on guys that you just haven't been able to this year. Like Ohio State hasn't had a ton of games where it's been up by, by enough points to put a lot of young guys on the field and play meaningful snaps. And this would be an opportunity to do it from the jump, I think. So I, I guess you have to weigh that with – you know, ending this year on a good note and actually wanting to win that game, like they did with the Rose Bowl a couple of years ago against Utah, right? That was a nice caper to a season that felt like a little bit of a bummer. And it obviously, it was like a classic, exciting game. There's no guarantee that this one would be but like the win. The win does matter there, but but what I think matters more is getting strong evaluations on guys who are going to be a big major part of this team in 2024. And that game would be an
0: opportunity to do it. Yeah, it, even in that Rose Bowl, though they were forced to to treat it as a look at the future, and that's when got to know Marvin Harrison Jr. on Mm -hmm. that stage because Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson weren't playing. Who else opted out? Haskell Garrett, did he opt out of that game?
1: I don't believe
0: Haskell Garrett played in that game. Yeah, so... I mean, that's fine. I don't have any issue with that. And I I never thought I would really get to the point where I was like, you know what? Treat it like the exhibition that it is, but Mm -hmm. if you're asking me what kind of game I would rather cover, that game was exciting. I would have rather seen Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson finish off their careers on the field. But... It was entertaining, and it was a look at the future, and that's what I would rather see. I mean, this the version that played Ohio, the version of Ohio State that played in the Big House on Saturday. I would love for them to get the help they need and to cover them in a playoff where I think they would probably win at least one game and could potentially win two. But if they don't get that opportunity, which fell out of their hands on Saturday, that that team is done for me. Mm -hmm. It it had it had the opportunity. I don't think an Orange Bowl. Victory does anything for them moving forward. But there's a lot of information that Ohio State can glean from a real live game against a team, if it was Louisville, let's just say hypothetically, that would really want to beat them and would be trying hard. And you'd find out a lot about Carnell Tate and Carnell Tate and Brandon Ennis, the colonel, and maybe Noah Rodgers and Bryson Rodgers. I don't know. I, yeah. I mean, I would rather see that or Jelani Thurman like, or Devin Brown and Lincoln Keenholz. If De- I mean, I don't even know if Devin Brown will be like fully 100% by then. It's a month from now, so potentially, but all those things would be much more interesting to me than a, a full go Ohio State against a full go Louisville, which I we already know who would win that game.
1: I like the Buckeyes <laughs> in that matchup. I like them by a <laughs> lot. Yeah, although it is, listen, Jeff Brown has done some stuff against Ohio State in the Ooh, past. Is that right? That's right. That's that slipped my mind. He does not have roundup more on this team though. which oh. is probably worth uh, keeping in mind. Well, too. that seems
0: problematic. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, all right. Anything else on your mind? You've had a lot of conversations <clears throat> over the last few days with Doug about this game, yeah. so I think there's probably not a lot left to explore.
1: Not not much from the from the game, though. Um, I think one thing maybe for Jim Knowles, I would I would ask is like assuming that James Larnitis does get that bump to the linebackers coach, which is like. I guess one, like how different is that actually from the dynamic that already existed this year? Obviously he'll make more money and could go on the road and recruit, but like in terms of practice and game prep. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe there's not much of a difference there. But I would like to ask Jim Knowles about that and you know, being really freed up from coaching a position group and like what that might do for him as, as a coordinator, because I don't I don't know that he's ever had that in his career. I think he's always had a position in addition to being the, the coordinator.
0: I don't think NCA rules would allow him to answer that truthfully about how it was this year.
1: Oh. No. <laughs> Okay, we'll ask it off the record.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe he doesn't care about that. There's no rules. this. stupid lineup. rules. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, I mean, maybe he wouldn't. I don't know. Yeah. It simply must happen, however. Mm. I stand on that. It's a new take for me that James Laurinaitis must be a full-time coach. Doug's, Doug Tomorrow. has
1: said that if, if,
0: if we get on the other side of, of staff
1: turnover season and Parker Fleming, the special teams coordinator, he's only going to ask about that. Why is
0: he still here throughout all of 2024? Yeah. I don't think losing the game 3 straight times is a fireable offense but bringing back Parker Fleming would. Be. Yes, I agree. <laughs> I would have to change my stance on Ryan Day running the program if he allows that to continue and risks losing James Laurinaitis. Yes. And also leaves just leaves the staff out of balance.
1: Like they need they need another full-time dude on the defensive side
0: for football purposes and also recruiting purposes. If you take anything out of this hypothetical Talking Tuesday, take that out. We are planting a flag. This is the official stance of the podcast daily. (laughs) We're we're really sticking our necks out. Yeah, (laughs) and it will not change. There's nothing that can change our minds about it. And um, that is actually a real Tuesday talk. He's Bill Landis. I'm Austin Ward. Thanks for joining us on the Podcast Daily. We'll be back again and try it again tomorrow. We'll talk to you then.